and welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. And this is me, Warren Landis, your host and Bible teacher on Sunshine USA. And as usual, it is great to have you tuned in uh, with us. As you know, this is a daily get-together where we study the Bible and see what the Word of God has to say to us. And right now we're engaged in a systematic study of uh, the Bible, uh, going from the very first chapter in Genesis right on through the last chapter in Revelation. And right now what we're doing is a parallel study of the Gospels. Um, and this, of course, constitutes the beginning of our study of the New Testament. And uh, the reason I chose to do a parallel study of the Gospels as opposed to taking, taking each Gospel and studying them, you know, one by one, is because of the fact that we're trying to avoid a lot of uh, repetition. Because, as you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic Gospels, and they contain some of the same miracles and parables and things like that. And we're trying to avoid needless repetition, uh, you know, which can have the tendency of being boring. And so what we're trying to do is take all of the major uh, teachings and uh, events in the life of Jesus and study them systematically uh, throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, now today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And we're going to be focusing on a visit that Joseph has from an angel letting Joseph know that it's okay to marry Mary, and we'll get more into that in just a few moments. But I did want to point out that in the last broadcast, we talked about Elizabeth's miracle baby. Now, in the case of Elizabeth, she was not giving birth to the Christ child. She was giving birth to uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, of course, would be uh, the forerunner of Jesus. Uh, he would be the forerunner of Jesus. Uh, he would be, in effect, preparing uh, the world of his day for the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And um, it's a very important role that he has. You know, back in the old days, uh, when evangelists would go from town to town, city to city, state to state, preaching the gospel, usually in uh, tents across America, um, they would have an advance agent. These advance agents would go into town and they would get everything all ready for the evangelist who was coming to town in the next few weeks. And this advance agent would be in charge of trying to mobilize the churches to support the crusade and letting people know that the crusade is coming, and they're warmly invited to attend, and it's filled and promoted as an event that can change their life, which, of course, it did in many cases. Uh, it changed the lives of endless numbers of people. I mean, look at Billy Graham himself. 
Billy Graham himself was saved at a tent revival. And he was saved listening to one of the sermons preached by one of the old-time evangelists, Mordecai Ham. And little did anybody know at that time, and I don't even think Billy Graham knew at that time, what an impact his ministry would have on the world of his day. When Mordecai Ham gave the invitation that, in, that evening, I don't think he had any idea that one of the people making a decision for Christ would be this guy named Billy Graham, who nobody knew, and that he would grow up and become uh, a famous evangelist and reach much of the world of his day with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it was an amazing thing that um, was happening here. Uh, but we find that John the Baptist was indeed and in fact the forerunner of Jesus. He was preparing the way for Jesus. And he went around preaching in the wilderness. And he would focus on the need for repentance. And he would always talk about the fact that the Messiah was coming. And they needed to repent. They needed to turn to him. Now, one of the good things about the preaching of John the Baptist, and that's something that we preachers need to know today, and that is the fact that the focus needs to be on Jesus. You don't see John the Baptist going around promoting his own ministry. What you see is John the Baptist promoting Jesus. He is pointing people to Jesus. And I maintain that today, if you're called of God to preach the gospel, if you're called of God to go into the gospel ministry, your job is to point people to Jesus, not to lift up your own ministry. Uh, I was talking to a friend the other day, and when we got to talking about how many ministries are named after a particular individual. And that's always a scary thing. Because, you know, we as Christians, we're not perfect. We are not perfect. We, uh, we understand that um, we have imperfections. We have sin doesn't mean we lose our salvation when we sin, but we sin. We're not perfect. And I think it's good for a ministry not to be named after a particular individual. For example, this ministry that the Lord has given me, uh, we call it Sunshine USA. Um, I had many in the early days of my ministry suggest that we call it the the Warren Landis Evangelistic Association. Well, I have to admit it has a nice ring to it. Amen. But you see, I don't need to be heading up a ministry named after me because my job as a preacher of the gospel is not to lift up or promote my own name. My job as a preacher of the gospel is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, to point people to Jesus Christ. And what he did at Calvary, dying on the cross for your sins and my sins, 
and the sins of the whole world. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, uh, we also note here that John the Baptist had a very unusual diet. I want you to turn in your Bibles. This is apart from the main message. But I want you to look at the diet of John the Baptist. Well, let's uh, look at verses 1 through 11. I, mean, I think I'm going to read these verses real quickly. And we'll take a look at the diet and dress code of John the Baptist. It says, In those days John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the time that was spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment, his clothes of camel hair, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and its meat was locust and honey. Now, I want to stop here in verse 4. In fact, we might just stop in verse 4, period, <laughs> when it comes to John the Baptist here, because I, I want to put right now a little bit of emphasis on the dress code and diet of John the Baptist. It says here he, he basically wore animal skins, uh, he had leather, and that would include uh, leather sandals, I would imagine, which was probably very well suited for traveling in the desert because, as you will recall here, much of his ministry takes place in the desert. So the wardrobe of John the Baptist was indicative of the fact that he lived in the desert. No doubt, he killed animals. He took the skins, made clothes out of them, and took the leather. And then he had a diet of locust and wild honey. Now, the reason we're told that he ate primarily nothing but locust and wild honey here is the fact that this diet was very simple, very basic, nothing elaborate, and probably different from the diet that everybody else had. I mean, if his diet was common to what everybody else ate in that day, there would have been no need to mention this in the Bible. But he limited himself to locusts and wild honey, which was readily available in the desert, so that he could maximize his time preaching and proclaiming the message of God regarding the coming of the Messiah. And it appears, if you read verses 4 through 11 especially, it appears that people would come from miles around to hear John preaching in the wilderness. The probability is he drew great crowds. 
and developed a great following. Now, no doubt, what happened in John's day is very typical of what happens in our day even. Many people were no doubt attracted more to the ministry of John the Baptist than they were the message that he was proclaiming. Unfortunately, this happens all the time. And I don't care what ministry you follow, probably the head of that ministry has people that are following him instead of following Jesus. Sad but true. We, we shouldn't put our hopes and our faith in any one man. Because as I've said before, we men are sinful. Even if we're Christians, even if we're called of God to preach, we have sin in our lives at least from time to time. And I would say you don't need to model your life after me or any other preacher. You need to model your life after Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we see that John the Baptist lived a very simple life, a very basic life. And, and by the way, this, I, I think, sends a powerful message to the young ministers of our day. You know, you have these TV preachers today that have six-figure salaries, seven-figure salaries. I do not think this meets with the will of God. God hasn't called you and I to be rich. He hasn't called us to be millionaires and billionaires and trillionaires. He's called us to do the work that he's called us to do. And for us, the important thing should be doing what God told us to do and not seeing how rich we can get doing it. Um, I get feeling very uneasy when I see news reports about evangelists who are living in multi-million dollar mansions and they're riding around in fancy limousines and have all kinds of personal servants. I don't think that meets with the approval of God. You know, I'm, I'm just a common everyday man. And I can assure you, even though I preach the gospel and Obviously, I'm involved in media ministry, but uh, I tell you, I don't live in the lap of luxury. I, I have a nice apartment, as I've said before many times. And the apartment that I live in now, I would say, is probably nicer and fancier than any apartment I've ever had. And it's also the cheapest, <laughs> less than $300 a month. And... Uh, when it comes to living a simple, basic lifestyle, I don't think uh, anybody can do better than what I'm doing. You know, just simple and basic. I don't have a lot of fancy stuff. I've never owned a car. I've never owned a private jet airplane. And I don't think I need to in order to do the work that God has called me to do. Uh, I've mentioned before on this program many times I do not receive a paycheck. I do not receive a salary for doing this broadcast, Sunshine USA. I do it free of charge as a volunteer. And I might add, I'm the only staff member the ministry has right now. <laughs> and I work for free. 
So right now, nobody can go to work for Sunshine USA and expect to make a lot of money. I don't, and they won't. Not right now, anyway. Now, I mean, I envision the day when we will have a paid staff. I, I never plan to take a salary for myself. I mean, right now, I make it a point to live a very frugal lifestyle on Social Security. And uh, I'm not interested in having a fancy mansion to live in in this life because the Bible says one of these days I'm moving into my heavenly mansion. What I want to be cumbered down with a mansion here on this earth with all kinds of utility bills and stuff like that. I don't need it. I don't need it. I just need to be doing the work that God has called me to do. And, and you know, it's, it's very interesting, as I've said many times, you know, um, due to my health and physical limitations, I'm not able to travel much. I can't tell you when I last left Greenville, South Carolina. Um, I don't see myself doing a lot of traveling in the days and weeks ahead. I think most of the rest of my life will probably be spent right here in Greenville, South Carolina. And, uh, and yet the Lord has given me a worldwide ministry. Uh, I preach in a number of countries around the world probably every day. Most days, more days than not, I'm producing new material to be broadcast around the world on social media. And yet, at the same time, like I say, I, I, I live a very frugal, minimal lifestyle. That's the way John the Baptist was. He kept it very simple, very basic. And I, I think, by the way, that's a very good message for you and I as Christians today, keep it basic, keep it simple. Okay, now, now let's go back to Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. And we're going to read about Joseph getting a visit from an angel. It says, Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. She was found to be with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, um, I have to tell you that this, no doubt, came as a shock to Joseph and those that knew Joseph. I mean, back in those days when you were a spouse to a woman, now he wasn't married to Mary yet, but he was a spouse to her. He was engaged to her. And back in those days, uh, engagement uh, was a lot more serious than it is today. In many ways, engagement meant that you didn't yet have all the privileges of marriage but you had the responsibility that went with it. 
You know, in other words, Mary and Joseph, even though they were engaged and not married, they were expected to be faithful to each other. They were expected to love each other exclusively. But they also had no sexual relations until after the marriage becomes official. Now, by the way, I think that's a great lesson for this generation to learn no sex before marriage. And even if you are married, sex is strictly limited to your marriage partner, your spouse. Amen. Now, by the way, I'm old-fashioned enough to believe that the Bible teaches that it's a man and woman that should get married, not men married to each other or women married to each other, but marriage consists of a man and a woman. This is what the Bible tells us. This is what the Bible teaches. Now, I've indicated before I don't like to get political in my preaching. But I do have to preach the Bible, and that's what the Bible says. So I'm not making a political statement here. I'm not necessarily trying to identify myself with one particular political party. I'm just trying to relay to you what I feel like the Bible teaches. Marriage is always between a man and a woman. Amen. But you see here, we have a potential conflict arising even before the marriage becomes official. Mary is pregnant. And she's now pregnant to the point where she can't exactly hide it. Now, usually when a woman's pregnant, <laughs> after three months especially, it becomes very obvious that she is pregnant. That she is expecting. <laughs> it's not the kind of thing that you could keep secret for very long. Pretty soon, it's public for all to know. Whether you want it to be or not. And so no doubt, many people were telling Joseph, Joseph, what kind of woman is this that you're marrying? That she should be pregnant even before y'all get married. It says, then Joseph, her husband. Now, by the way, it says her husband. In many ways, in this time during engagement, he was looked upon as her husband, even though they weren't yet married, they were engaged, but many people still referred to them as husband and wife, even though they weren't legally married. It says here, but then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and that means he was a godly man, he had a righteous lifestyle, now, that doesn't mean he was anything like the Pharisees, for example. He wasn't uh, legalistic, per se. But he was nonetheless a righteous, godly man. A man who lived by moral principles. And not willing to make her a public example. Now, by the way, in those days... He could have had Mary stoned to death. He could have gone through what we would call today a very messy divorce. Making a, a public spectacle out of this thing. 
But that is not the intent of Joseph here. His thinking is that he's not willing to make her a public example. And he was minded to put her away privately. In other words, going through a very quiet separation or divorce, not wanting to make a big deal out of it, not wanting to make a spectacle out of it. I mean, he could have made her out to be the tramp of the century. But that wasn't Joseph. That was not his desire. That was not his intent. But I mean, on the other hand, even Joseph could not deny that it looked bad. Because it looked like Mary was either already having an affair with another man or that Mary and Joseph were doing things sexually that they should not have been doing prior to marriage. Either way, it made Joseph look bad. It put his reputation at risk. It says, But while he thought on these things, behold, verse 20, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, in a way, I'm, I'm sure that this was a relief to Joseph. I mean, Mary hasn't been sleeping around. She's pregnant by the Holy Ghost. But on the other hand, I mean, let's face it, this hadn't happened before. This was a whole new thing. No doubt Joseph was thinking in his mind, is this really a visit from an angel or is this just me <laughs> with my mind going wild? It says here in verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, you know, we have some today that indicate that Jesus didn't die for everybody. He only died for the Jews. I beg to differ with him. Jesus came into the world to save the sins of everybody. Not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. Anybody who teaches you anything different from that, they don't know their Bible. It says in verse 22, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now, bearing in mind, the birth of Jesus was not the beginning of Jesus' existence. We've already studied the fact that Jesus existed even before the creation of the heavens and the earth. And he actually had a part in the creation of the heavens and the earth. He was very much involved in that. Jesus, at this point, was totally eternal. He never had a beginning, never had an end. 
what we have in Bethlehem at Christmas time is the beginning of Jesus dwelling on this earth in a form of a human body. This meant that Jesus would be able to experience life as we experience it. He would know sorrow. He would know joy. He would know what it meant to be tempted. And yet he would live his life without any sin whatsoever, which of course allowed him to be our Savior. If he had sins of his own, then he would have had to die on the cross for his own sins. He couldn't die on the cross for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It says, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took him, took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So when Jesus, I mean, pardon me, when Joseph wakes up from this dream encounter that he had with, Mo, with uh, the angel, he does what God tells him to do. Now that's always a very important component. It's one thing for you and I to hear the word of God. And as long as I'm alive on this earth here at Sunshine USA, you're going to hear the word of God preached on this radio broadcast called Sunshine USA. Even if the day comes that we have guest preachers from time to time, still the bottom line is you're going to hear the unpolluted word of God from the pulpit here at Sunshine USA. I guarantee it. But hearing the word of God is only part of it. You've got to not only hear the word of God, You've got to do the will of God. Now, of course, as Mary and Joseph illustrate for us, doing the will of God involves risk. Doing the will of God involves risk. For example, no doubt, there were many people who started all kinds of ugly rumors about Mary and Joseph. I mean, here they are apparently doing what they shouldn't be doing before marriage. But nonetheless, Mary and Joseph were willing to do this in order to be faithfully obedient to the work that God had for them to do. Now, for you and I as ministers of the gospel, what we do does not come without risk. If you preach the word of God the way it needs to be preached, let me tell you something, folks. People are going to ridicule you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to persecute you. You know, it's interesting to know how many people today are being punished because of their faith in God. We have Christians around the world today that are being locked up in prison and they're being executed for no other crime than that of being a Christian and preaching the gospel. Many Christians around the world today don't have 
the great freedom that we have in America today. The freedom to preach and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So one of the lessons I hope that we learn today is the fact that we need to be faithfully committed to doing the will of God no matter what the risk because in the end it will be worth it. And that brings us to an end of today's Bible study. So I'm hopeful, of course, that uh, you uh, have gotten something meaningful out of this lesson today. Uh, I always tell people, you know, if, if you get even half of it, I mean, if you even get half the message that I preached, I mean, you're getting a lot. And I can tell you, my preaching gets to me before it gets to anybody else. You see, when I get in front of this radio mic and I start preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Christ, that message hits me before it hits anybody else. And like anybody else, I don't want to be just a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer of the word. Amen. Now, by the way, if you have any questions about Bible study, if you have any questions arising from your own study of the Word of God, or, or you have questions about the message I brought today or brought in the past, you can contact me if you have a prayer request. You can feel free to contact me. You know, I believe very strongly in the power of prayer. I believe very strongly in the power of prayer. I don't think miracles were just for 2,000 years ago. Folks, I think miracles happen today just like they've always happened. I've seen God heal sick bodies. I've seen God restore hearing, restore eyesight. He's in the healing business. I believe that very strongly. Now, you know, I'm a Southern Baptist. And... Some Southern Baptists have a problem with some of the things I just told you. But once again, I have to faithfully declare what I feel the Bible teaches. And I think God still heals people today. I think he still does miracles today. Amen. And God has a miracle waiting for you. And, of course, the greatest of all miracles is the miracle of coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior of the Lord. It's always amazing to me how God can take an old sinful life and he can make a brand new life out of it. I heard a, an alcoholic one time give his testimony about how he lost everything due to drinking. And then after he got saved and received uh, Jesus Christ as the saving Lord, you know what he says all of a sudden? The Lord gave me back all the furniture I'd ever lost, all the clothes that I'd ever lost. He gave me back a house. God is still in the miracle business today. God is in the business today of transforming and changing lives if we only let him. Amen. So if you have a prayer request, it's no little thing. 
I take prayer requests at this ministry very seriously. And I also treat them very confidentially. Now, if you give me permission, I'll be glad to share your prayer request with our radio audience. Now, by the way, in the event that um, you give me permission, like I say, I'll share these prayer requests. And I don't know about you, I find it very comforting, very uh, uplifting to know that Christians around the world are praying about any need that I have. Now, the best way to contact me is by email. It's also the quickest way to contact me. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. All of this is lower case, very simple, very basic. And then if you want to contact me by snail mail, you can do that. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, that's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And once again, I would love to hear from you. Uh, Nothing brings more joy to me apart from Jesus than hearing from listeners with listeners telling me great things that God has done in their life through the ministry of Sunshine USA. Well, I've enjoyed our get together today. I really have. I hope you have too. And I hope that you'll make it a point to tune in again next time. And by the way, tell a friend about this internet radio broadcast because chances are if you enjoy listening to Sunshine USA you also know someone who would also love listening to Sunshine USA and you could tell them about it and tell them how to tune in on the internet and it could change their life. Amen. Witnessing for Jesus could be as simple as telling somebody about Sunshine USA. Well, anyway, folks, our time has come and gone. I hope that you'll be sure to tune in again next time. And until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye, God bless you, and I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.